Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the wonderful food that you gave us to eat and for providing for all of our needs. Uh, we thank you for the powerful um, impact of total member involvement. And we thank you for each and every one that's here um, for the, the impact that they can have in their own communities. We pray that you'd guide as we share today, um, both Renella and I. Please just use us in the way that you desire to use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, just so you guys know, my name is Heidi Carpenter. I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. Hi, what's your name? Nestor? Sorry, Dester. Nice to meet you, Dester. Uh, really thankful to be here. Um, but just a little background, I grew up in, in Kansas, in the country, and the Lord led me to the city of Southern California now, and that's where I work. Uh, Renella and I got to work together in Central California Conference for several years, and so that's kind of where our background um, came together. But we both also have a real passion for something called total member involvement. And how many of you have actually heard that, that phrase coined before? Okay, we also know it as TMI, right? You know, too much information, <laughs> except for this time it's total member involvement. And, you know, we just really have a burden for it because we recognize that, you know, lots of churches that we go into, we see, you know, that 10 to 20% that's working really hard. And, and then the other 80%, it's like, what are you doing, you know? And um, I'm glad you come to church, but, but is there something more, you know? And, and is there, are there other ways that, that we can all be involved, you know, for the, the sake of hastening the second coming of Christ? And, and um, I know each person has their reason for what they do, but we're thinking about what it would be like to actually harness the power of the church uh, working together. And as we think about that, I just have a couple, um, I guess, comments to say about total member involvement. Uh, it, it really is a movement uh, that can be applied in many different ways, um, in different contexts, in different churches, or, or even countries. Um, if any of you have seen the, the video online about Rwanda and the things that happened there because of total member involvement, we shared that last year in our, in our breakout, and that just shows you that like when everyone pulls together, so many amazing things can happen when everyone's just pulling in the same direction. And that really is the focus of total member involvement. It's everyone pulling in the same direction, and that direction is each one reach one, lose none, disciple all. So that's like the theme and the motto. If you leave here with nothing other than those four little phrases, we're good, you know? But it's each one, reach one, lose none, disciple all. Um, because often, you know, someone can come in and get baptized, but then not really be discipled or nurtured and continue um, in the faith, right? And so that's where the discipleship comes in, which is a part of total member involvement. Um, but as we think about that, I, I got a few questions for you as we start. Um, what is, what do you feel like is the greatest need, um, our greatest need? This, this session, session one is called our greatest need. And the question would be, what do you feel like our greatest need is? And I want you to think about that in your, in your heart and mind for a second. What do you think our greatest need as a church is? And we're all young people here, you know, we're, we're thinking and we're processing and we're experiencing the church, 
um, as young people. And, and I ask you the question, what is the greatest need? Um, as well as what do you wish your church would look like, you know? Um, and so as we go through that, we're going to kind of grapple with some of those things. But is there anyone just off the bat? I, I do want a little bit of interaction here. What do you think is our greatest need? And we're going to dig into that a little bit more. We got one in the back. What do you think our greatest need is as a church? Compassion. Deep word. You guys know what the word compassion means? It's sympathy that moves you to do something. It's, it's passion with action. And you, you can't just say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry that you're not feeling good right now. I hope you feel better. Compassion actually goes and says, what can I do to help you get better? That's, that's the difference between, you know, just sympathy and, and true compassion. I agree. Powerful, powerful thing that is needed in the church. Compassion. What do you think our greatest need is? I want to hear from this side. Is there anyone over here? When you think about our church and what we need, what would you say is our greatest need? As we're thinking about um, maybe the lack of total, total member involvement, the need for it, what do you think our greatest need might be? Any, any thoughts from this side? I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? A fire for ministry. Hmm. A true fire for ministry. And, and that connects with compassion because it's, it's something internal, right? That's going to then come out and be shown externally. And, and I agree with both of you. I think the greatest need, our greatest need as a church is to truly have that genuine, genuine relationship with God that overflows into loving others sincerely and from the bottom of our hearts. Um, that is our greatest need. And you know, when you think about it, maybe some of you are those people in your church that are working very hard and you're wanting others, you know, to come and work with you. Um, or maybe you are one that wishes you had more of a desire to do ministry and wishes that you actually acted on it more. You know, you're sitting and looking at yourself and saying, I could do more, you know, like I heard Carlton Bird's, you know, message this morning. I could do something, um, but I want to do more. And I, and I have the question, what do you think leads to a life of spontaneous ministry? Like when you're thinking about this, what is it that actually is going to lead to having that fire for ministry again or for having that sincere compassion for someone else? What do you, what do you think it is? And, you know, as I've taken a lot of time to think about our greatest need, um, I believe that it is it is found in a genuine relationship with Jesus that literally overflows into the lives of those around you. And there's, there's a few quotes I want to share and then uh, some stories that I think you'll really enjoy. Um, but this talks about love and, and it actually talks about compassion too. So I'm glad you shared that word. But it says here, love is the basis of godliness. It says, whatever the profession, no man has pure love to God unless he has unselfish love for who? For his brother. Like, there's no way that we can say that we love God if we don't love our brother. And it says, but we can never come into possession of the spirit by what? What does it say? 
by trying to love others. How many of you have actually tried to love someone? Raise your hands. Anybody who's like, oh my word, I'm trying, you know, like I want to love you, but, but it's really difficult right now, you know, but it says here, we can never come into possession of this spirit by just trying to love others. What is needed is what? The love of Christ in the heart. I will tell you, this is our greatest need. It's the love of Christ in the heart. And it says right here, when self is merged in Christ, love springs forth what? Spontaneously. I know some people are really planned. How many of you in this room are planned people? You're planners. You want to make sure you know where you're going at all times, right? You, you're, the, you're the family vacation planners, right? How about any spontaneous people in this room? Okay, we got some spontaneous ones, right? You're like, oh, let's go with the flow, like whatever, right? That's, that kind of spontaneity is what happens when the love of Jesus is in your heart. You naturally want to love. It says the completeness of Christian character is attained when the impulse to help and bless others. Usually we think of impulsiveness as a bad thing. Look at this. It says when the impulse to help and bless others springs constantly from within, when the sunshine of heaven fills the heart and is revealed in the countenance, it's not possible for the heart in which Christ abides to be destitute of love. If we love God because he first loved us, we shall love all for whom Christ died. And I love this. It says we can't come in touch with divinity, which is God, without coming in touch with what? We cannot come in touch with God without naturally wanting to come in touch with humanity and serving them and caring for them and being totally involved. It says, for in him who sits upon the throne of the universe, divinity and humanity are combined. Connected with Christ, we are connected with our fellow men by the golden links of the chain of love. And the last part here, it says, then the pity and compassion of Christ will be manifest in our life. You want compassion in your heart for other people all the time? Do you want to live your life where every person you see, you literally have compassion and love for? Here is our answer. It says, we shall not wait to have the needy and unfortunate brought to us. We shall not need to be entreated to feel for the woes of others. It will be as natural for us to minister to the needy and suffering as it was for Christ to go about doing good. When I think about our greatest need, when I think about my greatest need, I know that it is the love of Christ in the heart. I just need a new heart. I need a heart change. Because my natural heart is not on fire for ministry. My natural heart does not have compassion, right? So only the love of Christ in the heart. There's, there's a few friends that I have that have been real examples of that in my life. And it's amazing to see the connection. And, and I hope you start to see the pattern. One of, one of my friends, her name is Linda. And literally, Linda is, is a walking musical, Every, every time I'm around her, she's singing a song to Jesus. She's praising the Lord. You've actually probably seen her up front singing several times during iShare already. Um, but without fail, I've had to ask myself the question, when do I not see Jesus in Linda? You know, it's one of those questions. It's not, it's not how do I see Jesus in Linda? <laughs> it's more, when do I not see Jesus in her? Because the woman lives to share She's constantly sharing. Just a day or two ago, she had a little paleta, you know, those little, um, like, popsicles or whatever. She was eating it, and she's like, 
I wish there was some way that I could share this with someone else. She's like, I feel like I can't really share it, but I would if I could. And, you know, and I mean, she's just verbalizing this, you know, as she's around all these people. But that's just one little snippet into the, the fact that she lives her life to serve. She lives her life to give. And it's, it's natural for her. But I want you to know it started because of a love relationship with Jesus. I remember Linda looking in my eyes with tears in her eyes, just saying, I love Jesus and sharing about her personal relationship with him. And, and now it's not ever a question of if I should serve. It's just when and where. I got a couple leaders that work with me during the summer. And during this weekend, um, iShare, there's lots of different logistics, right, that go into making iShare work. You can probably imagine, right, with a, a large group of people like this, you're going to run into many opportunities where there's help that's needed. And um, today, you know, offering wouldn't have been picked up and meals wouldn't have really been served without people who are willing at the drop of a hat to just serve. And, to, and they were literally asked like the minute or two before they started, you know. And, and watching their responses filled my heart with joy. Because I said, you know, that's the love of Jesus in the heart. That's the ability to go and to serve. Um, I'm going to put her on blast, but one of my best friends, um, I, I remember seeing her relationship with God grow in, in powerful ways. And, and, and I've had multiple times where we've prayed for other people together and we've cried tears of joy. And I've seen the love for Jesus grow um, and the love for others grow with that love for Jesus. And, and, and I think she's seen that in me too. And that's Renella, um, my co-presenter. I mean, just, that's just one example in my life of someone who loves Jesus and who's living to serve, um, naturally as a result. And I thank God for that, um, because we do believe that it's Jesus living in us. It's, it's never like one person that can do that. Cause we know, as the quote said, we can't by trying, love someone else. Uh, it's only when Christ's love abides in the heart. Um, I, one of our students during the summer, his name is Aiden. And <laughs> this is crazy, guys. Aiden grew up in Hong Kong. And five years ago, he moved here. Uh, Aiden ended up coming to San Gabriel Academy because he was rejected from San Gabrielino High School in San Gabriel, the public school in the area. His family was looking around for another school that he could go to. They were looking into private schools. And so they found San Gabriel Adventist Academy right there in the middle of San Gabriel, California, and said, well, why don't we send him here? They didn't even know, you know, what religion it was. They just knew it was Christian. And his dad was uh, raised Catholic, but non-practicing. His mom was not religious at all um, and would still, you know, do different Buddhist rituals and things like that in Hong Kong. And coming here five years ago, he was, um, he, he was placed in a position where he was in um, my husband's Bible classes. And he started learning and reading and understanding. And, and it's amazing to see because as he started learning about Jesus, he fell in love with Jesus. And then he, he wanted to automatically serve Jesus. It just started to happen. And the first thing he did in service, you want to know what it was? The first thing he did in service was turn pages for a pianist. It's crazy. He came, San Gabriel Choir was singing somewhere, and they asked him, would you be willing to come 
and turn the pages for the pianist. And he said, and literally, I, I kid you not, Aiden, Aiden was like, what a privilege. What a privilege. You know, God's not asking us to do some great thing for him. He's asking us to do all of the little things for him too. And that's what total member involvement is all about. Really doing all of those things. And I don't want to take all of Renella's time, but uh, there's one or two last quotes here I wanted to share. And then Renella's going to continue sharing for this section. Um, it says here, The Savior's life on earth was not a life of ease and devotion to himself, but he toiled with persistent, earnest, untiring effort for the salvation of lost mankind. From the manger to Calvary, he followed the path of self-denial and sought not to be released from arduous tasks, painful travels, and exhausting care and labor. When you look at that, do you see your life? Do you see the life of your Savior? It says, he said, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. This was the one great object of his life, and this is our greatest need. Everything else was secondary and subservient. It was his meat and drink to do the will of God and to finish his work. And then let's read that last line together. Self and self-interest had no part in his labor. Our, our greatest need is to let go of self and self-interest. I'm just going to tell you straight up. That's our greatest need. To let go of self and self-interest. Because when that's let go and the love of God instead fills the heart, you cannot help but be filled with love and compassion for others. It's powerful. It says right here, So those who are the partakers of the grace of Christ will be ready to make any sacrifice that others for whom he died may share the heavenly gift. They will do all they can do to make the world better for their stay in it. This spirit is the sure outgrowth of a soul truly converted. No sooner does one come to Christ than there is born in his heart a desire to make known to others what a precious friend he's found in Jesus. The saving and sanctifying truth cannot be shut up in his heart. As we think about that, I think the main thing that really sticks out to me as I look at the lives around me and all of the other stories of young people who I can tell love Jesus and are serving him, it's self is laid aside, Christ's love is in the heart, and they're naturally wanting to give. And, and someone like that can't help but be a totally involved member. And as we keep forward, going forward with this, Rennell and I just really wanted to take one whole session to just talk about the connection between our own spirituality and our service. Because we could talk about all the ideas and all the things that we could do, but the bottom line is, is it comes from the inside out. It, it's not something you can just add on from the outside, um, but it comes from the inside out. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.